Well, after a little break, we're back on NBL now. Coming up this morning, positionless all NBL teams. It's got people talking. We explore that more. We talk about Friday night, two massive games, Brisbane and Cairns, Perth and Sydney. Try and pull that all apart. The New Zealand Breakers not going to replace Will McDowell-White. Just a little bit of feedback that Derek Ruck has had in the last week as well. This is NBL now. It is November the 29th. Hard to believe we're almost into December, but it is very easy to believe that we are back after our roundtable editions. I'm Jack Heverin alongside Derek Ruck. D Ruck, good to be back. Good to see you. Very good to be back, Jack. And uh, man, this break seemed like it's lasted for about a month, so I'm ready to get back into it. Just uh, before we dive into some of the news of the last 24 hours or so, the roundtable editions, they're all up now on YouTube and all of the NBL's platforms. Have you got any feedback? Had a lot. Uh, in person, online. I'm sure you've read the comments. Some people really went after me, but that's what we want. Like, that doesn't bother me. I like hearing everyone's perspective. And if it riles up people and gets them more engaged and passionate about the game, then I'm all for it. And I'm always capable of explaining my side of any argument I put forth. I did see a couple of those. So some of your replies. And when the person writes back and says, thanks for replying, you know you've won the battle. It's great, you know, but I, that's what it's about. Like, we want the fans to understand I don't have any bias from team to team. I'm just trying to break it down as I see it. And my bias is towards the purity and sanctity of the game. And the, the interesting thing on that, I think, with games coming back tomorrow night, the, the biggest takeaway for me, and I, I went away, so I was sort of only looking sporadically, but the, the passion and the excitement, I, I think, Come the start of this round, like people are so ready for it to come back. They are. And, you know, you can feel it. You can feel it in people's comments. If you look at the level of engagement on all those posts and the episodes and so forth, and the number of people up here in Brisbane that told me they've watched it and they really enjoyed it. And they want a further discussion about topics that we were talking about on the episodes. So, you know, I really feel like it was a great initiative that, that the NBA, NBL decided to go with, and I was just very flattered to be a part of it. So let's talk probably the biggest story of the last 24 hours or so. The NBL announcing yesterday via the Chief Operating Officer, Vince Crivelli, that the All-NBL teams from here on in will be positionless. In the past, we've had a combination of inside and outside guys, and that's created some gray area at times. But this is a bold step forward. Are you a fan? Yes or no? I am. And I've seen some people complaining about it, saying it disadvantages bigger players. But I disagree. I don't think that's going to happen at all. And one of the main reasons, Jack, is because we have so much more information now. Statistically, visually, you know, it's not like 15 years ago where you had to write to a club and get video to watch a game back. We have access on your phone to any game this season. In fact, over the past two or three seasons. Mm. But there's advanced stats that you have access to as a layman. You can go sign up to MBL Plus and get all the information there. So I don't see in any form how things will be mm, misrepresented as to who are the best five players this year. I don't think a player like Joe Luala Chul is going to be um, unfavorably um, evaluated this season, say, against a player like Bryce Cotton. Both those players are great. They're going to do their thing, and I don't see how anyone will not make an all-NBL team. Well, it was interesting watching the boys on overtime last night go through their teams based on the new criteria of being positionless. And 
Pete Hawley had four guards and a centre, um, which is absolutely within the, the new rules. Do you like the look of that, if that's the way that it panned out at the end of the year? Well, I was going through it and kind of projecting as kind of how guys are playing now, how their teams are performing. And so I've probably got Jalen Adams and Bryce Cotton as two of my guards. I'm thinking Allen Williams or JLA. I'm undecided yep. there. It very well could be that both of those guys go on a run and get into um, that first team. And then, Jack, it gets difficult. If those two guys handle their business, it means that Southeast Melbourne's in the top four and Melbourne United are pretty much on top of the ladder. And I think guys that play for winning teams, that's where the bias comes in. They deserve more recognition, okay? Then it's that fifth spot. Then it's like a creek, a McVeigh, a Milton Doyle, a Jordan Crawford. You start looking around like that. So that's where it's going to get tricky. And I like that it's more open because it opens it up for more possibilities and more fairness in voting. It's going to put some pressure on the new selectors when they come around at season's end. But uh, it's it's an interesting one. I must admit, like, I'm a bit old school and a bit of a traditionalist. It, it, I'm taking longer to get my head around it. I'm not saying that it's a complete no from me, but I do kind of like having clear definitions. But I'm also interested to see how this all plays out. I hear you. I mean, like the tradition has kind of been three outside guys, two inside guys. And I hear you, and it, it is very difficult. Maybe the ultimate solution is four and one based on how modern basketball is played. That is kind of how it's played at the moment. Now, you look to the fixture for what's coming up this weekend. We were talking about how excited everyone is going to be to be back. Friday night, if you can't get to a venue for, two, for the, both of these doubleheaders, then sit back, put on ESPN, and chill, because this is going to be one hell of a night. Brisbane and Cairns, you and I will both be involved in that game. And then Perth and Sydney at RAC Arena. Ruck, this almost feels perfect the way that the fixture's fallen because we've got two teams in similar brackets. You've got a Brisbane and Cairns team around that play-in mark, and then you've got Perth and Sydney, two teams who want to make legitimate claims as being one of, if not the best. Well, let's start with the early game, Brisbane and Cairns. Vital, vital. Cairns still haven't really shown their true strength yet, and I'm waiting for it to happen. I'm praying that they have a full roster. I'm sure the crowd up there is going to be so jacked up for the return of basketball. And they play the team, the big brother, who they've been beating drunk over the past couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely been pounding Brisbane, and Brisbane need to reverse those fortunes. If they are to be a play-in team, the only way they can get there is by getting the, the upper hand over Cairns and it starts Friday night. Shannon Scott likely to return or expected to return. Olga Newlich reported yesterday for all of their fourth quarter woes and, and their decision-making down the stretch, which you've highlighted, how important is he? He's, he's crucial. And it is going to put some pressure on him though, Jack, coming down the stretch if it's a tight game, as I imagine it will be. Because not only is it Brisbane's bogey point at the moment, late game execution, also Shannon Scott's going back to Cavs for the first time. Yeah. And that's also, talk about us burying the lead. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> what happens there? And 
I'm going to be working the game with Alice Kudyk up there in, in the arena, and I'm going to be doing some real hard research into how Aaron Baines, Lat Mayan, and all everybody else feels about this return bout. I feel like there's going to be a lot of eyes on Aaron Baines and a lot of eyes on Adam Ford, and if they come within about 10 meters, 10 meters of each other, Ruck, then look out. But the second game, Jack's going to be just as enticing because, again, we know how Perth feels about Sydney, and we know firsthand from being in Sydney so much how Sydney, not only the players, Jack, but how the ownership group feels about Perth. <laughs> <laughs> it's rivalry night, this one. Did the, did the fever break come at the wrong time for Perth? Probably. But, you know, if... If they can get themselves a little bit healthy, sometimes you go on a run like that and you win five in a row and we know how it works in sport. You're closer to your next loss. So if you can kind of take this break and say, okay, it was a pause. It was a simulated loss because we weren't able to win. Then you can turn this thing around and say, hey, let's build up from here. Let's really drive some energy and some momentum. And Jack, they get the play in front of the Red Army after a break on a five-game win streak. That's going to be a really tough game for for Sydney to pull off. And Sydney have not looked good on the road this season either, Jack. Uh, that is, that's going to be a, another key point is how Sydney travel, no doubt about it. Thursday night is when the round starts. New Zealand and Adelaide, early game. So, of course, check your local guides at Wolfbrook Arena in New Zealand. You've spoken a lot about the breakers and you were really strong during the roundtables about them. Uh, Modi Mayor, the coach, spoke to stuff.co.nz and was quoted as saying that they won't be replacing Will McDowell-White and Zylan Cheatham and went on to say basically nothing, said that he didn't want to go into it and can't explain why. Um, Are you surprised? Somewhat, but this points to a couple of different things. Either they plan on... Um, tanking for next year's NBL draft that's coming on board. <laughs> or, or Jack, there are some other things that play organizationally um, and perhaps they've made the decision to perhaps be a bit more judicious with their spending because there is a risk in going out and trying to sign a player right now and spending that money. They've already done it once. How many times do you keep going to the well, given that you're sitting in the bottom third of the ladder? Risk reward. Well, what's the reward if we if we bring in a guy right now? Is it going to really make that much of a difference, given the potential financial expenditure? Will McDowell-White is, is one of the best players in the league, and, and he's certainly paid appropriately after, after what he's done. But with Jackson Cartwright and Isaiah Liafa, I'm not saying they can fully cover the loss of Will McDowell-White, but is there enough there to, to kind of get them through these next few weeks? You're exactly right. They should be able to cover it, right? They should be able to cover it at enough games to put that team in a winning position. And coming out of the break, as I said, I thought Anthony Lamb was outstanding mm. in his debut games here. Now, he's had a couple of weeks to get himself in shape, um, and I think he's going to be a far better player. He'll understand the systems better. Um, I think this is a really tricky game, and if you look at Adelaide right now, what a tough road trip to come out of the break at New Zealand, at Tasmania, and 
I think this is make or break weekend. They sit at four, set four and seven. If they split these and get the five and eight and kind of whole serve, that's a good weekend. Obviously, losing two is disastrous. And uh, if they could get two, then wow, that really changes their fortunes. We are refreshed and we are reloaded for tomorrow night. New Zealand and Adelaide restarts the NBL 24 season. Can't wait for that one. And Ruck, we'll see you on Friday night in Cairns courtside. Great to catch up and enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, certainly will. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us on NBL Now. We are back tomorrow with Pete Hawley.